AI, a rapidly evolving field that has the potential to transform every aspect of our lives, from the way we work and communicate to the way we think about and solve problems. Join me as I chat with the movers and shakers in the industry about the latest advancements in AI and how they're changing the way we live, work, and interact with technology. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. Welcome to Zero Shot. My guest today is from Vana, a company that's helping people experience their digital selves. Anna Kazlouskis. Did I say it right? Actually, Kazlouskis. Anna Kazlouskis. Oh, we practiced this too. I know. (laughs) Co-founder and CEO of Vana. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. How are you today? You doing well? Mm Mm-hmm. Good. So... Earlier today, I uploaded eight photos of myself to your website, and it created digital portraits for me in all sorts of different styles. I'm going uh, to share some with you here. Some sort of dragon lord, I think, going on here, which is pretty cool. Hmm. I, uh, I was also a cyborg. That was pretty cool. Um, I was also... Uh, put into anime, which I think is really cool because I like anime a lot. Uh, and I think my favorite was the black and whites because it really vastly improved my hairline. What's it's it's obviously AI. What you guys are doing, what Vana's doing, is more than just making me look like a cool cyborg. What, what is your mission? What is Vana's mission? Yeah. So our mission is to shift the flow of data for a more prosperous world. Um, I think that that is a little bit of an abstract statement, but broadly, it's allowing people to um, express themselves in digital forms using their kind of uh, their personal data that exists all about them, right? So that's everything from like every message you've sent, every photo you've posted, just kind of like all of your online existence makes up this digital version of yourself. And as new AI comes out, it, it really allows you to engage with that in a different way. Um, and so we're both allowing for you to express yourself through those mediums um, while also doing it in an environment where you're like fully in control of that data and that uh, digital version of yourself. Okay. All right. So what, what drew you to AI initially? Is your background in, in any sort of artificial intelligence? Yeah. Um, okay. So I got really interested in data and like modeling the world in a quantifiable way by reading The Economist in high school. And then I became obsessed with like economics and wanted to be like chairman of the Federal Reserve and then worked at the Federal Reserve and was just like kind of obsessed with basically modeling humans and people using data in these like models. And that's actually like when I trained my first machine learning models, right? But they're really simple, right? For econometrics, you're, they're very, very simple, like linear regressions. But that's where I first uh, got exposed to it. Um, and then I became more interested. Um, I think I took a class while at MIT going deeper into machine learning. Um, I was coming at it from a little bit of an economics perspective um, and just saw that, yeah, there were really cool ways of modeling data. Um, And then during an internship at the World Bank, 
um, part of the job was kind of boring. They gave us this task of like sorting through 10,000 documents and I automated it with machine learning and that worked really well. And I ended up um, dropping out of school, going through Y Combinator, kind of getting exposed to um, the world of Silicon Valley and venture capital. That was kind of a different, that was um, 2017, 2018. It was a different uh, generation of machine learning startups, et cetera. It was much more about, um, you could do like classification type problems, right? You could teach an AI how to sort things. The AI was not creative yet, right? Mm -hmm. And that yeah. sort of like text generation idea felt really far away. And I remember, um, yeah, it was, it sort of felt like it was at least four years away and now it's four years and it's like here. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's really cool to see how fast the space has moved too. Yeah, it, it, it has moved fast. And I mean, it has, you know, a lot of people are just kind of getting you know, knowledge of this and it's been around for, mm -hmm. obviously it's, this stuff has been in development for a while. What, uh, as far as Vana is concerned, you know, how did, how did you, how did you land on that? You know, you talked about how you started getting interested in AI. Where did, where did the idea for Vana come from? Yeah. So, um, I think that a lot of the idea for Vana actually comes from the world of, um, kind of crypto and decentralization. Um, and so, uh, while in school, I got very interested in the idea of running a central bank from my dorm room by like mining Ethereum with free electricity. So I'd like go find like old graphics cards and computers and I'd set them up in milk crates to mine. And <laughs> what was like very fascinating to me is basically there was this decentralized technology that allowed like power to shift from centralized institutions to individuals, right? And to just like individual people. And so, yeah, essentially like I think Ethereum and Bitcoin have really allowed for a decentralized group of people and kind of community to have control over a currency rather than like a traditional central bank. And in the same way, if you look at data, which is, what powers all of these machine learning models today, a lot of that is held in very centralized places, right? Just a few big tech companies, or there are data sets that are on the public internet. You can just kind of scrape all the data. The public internet isn't like a great representation of reality. You see that with no, models, really? for example, <laughs> often generating like very pornographic images of women where it's like, imagine raising a kid and all they can do is like browse the public internet. Like they're going to have some wrong ideas. And that's yeah. kind of how the models today are. But um, essentially how can we use some of that same technology to empower um, individuals to kind of take control and ownership over their data and use that as a tool um, to express themselves. Okay. Okay. So it, can you, what, in what specific ways do you, is Vana want, allowing people to express themselves or will Vana, Vana allow people to express themselves? Yeah. So I think that, um, kind of having this almost AI clone of yourself that just understands kind of your personality, all of your past messages allows you to like explore yourself in different kinds of ways. So, um, something that we haven't released, but we've kind of been experimenting with internally is these models that are trained on a whole bunch of your past data, right? So I've been having a conversation with myself from like 10 years ago, and it's just this really interesting opportunity for self-reflection. 
Um, and then I think there are also opportunities too to be able to scale yourself in different ways, right? So you or and picture yourself however you want, like you mentioned um, as a cyborg, the cyborg, mm -hmm. yeah, the cyborg version of yourself. I'm like, yeah, virtual Anna is like definitely a cyborg, you know. Um, <laughs> and so that sort of um, yeah, self-expression I think can be uh, very empowering. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think too. Just, like honestly, I don't like. It's so early in the space that yeah. like who knows what the world is gonna look like, right? Like maybe we're gonna be in like this crazy metaverse and you like put on this identity, you know? Like that is some version some version of that is probably what the future holds. Like mm -hmm. I, I agree. will not um pretend to have like better certainty than I actually do. Um, but yeah. But is that is that what you consider Vana is a part of the metaverse? Is is part of that whole thing? <laughs> Yeah, I, I try to avoid the term metaverse because I think it has a lot of like connotations, yeah, but I do does. think that we're broadly moving into a digital world um, and, and one could use the term metaverse. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's definitely relatable to people, I think. We all, like, we've all heard about the metaverse for a while now. So. Uh, yeah, but when you think about the metaverse, it's like so creepy and you think about everyone wearing like kind of depressing goggles and like being inside you think of like almost like wally style i was gonna bring you know, up like wally yeah yeah exactly right but like it does I, it can actually look much better right it can be this beautiful place where you can express yourself and kind of be whoever you want to be and have it be this like empowering thing that maybe even like connects you to natural beauty right or whatever it is much more so than um a kind of dystopian version of the metaverse but yeah definitely it walks a fine line so mm -hmm. yeah yeah it just has to have the right people pushing it in the right direction i suppose mm -hmm. uh yeah you founded in uh you found the company in 2021 uh mm -hmm. have you has the vision of that company has the vision of vana changed since you started just because of the experiences and how it's been developed Mm -hmm. Has anything come yeah, up that I you mean, weren't I expecting? Think, yeah, I think that it, every early stage company like has to pivot so much, right? To basically just figure out and like the faster you can iterate, the better. I think that the long-term vision of really like empowering people through data and through AI has broadly stayed the same. But in terms of like how we go about that, it has like, it iterated very rapidly. So mm -hmm. there have been many different versions. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I can go into some of them and sort of some of the learn. I mean, one big thing is like generative AI a year ago could not do any of what it can do today. Yeah. Right. So really yeah. early on, we were like, Hey, like here are different things you can do with your personal data. Like you could get some analytics on it or you can uh, choose to sell it. And that is just like, I don't know, really a fraction of, the user experience that we have today of like, oh, wow, like I created this like AI model that understands what I look like. And now I can kind of do anything with it or I can generate text as if it's me. Um, and so I think that purely just like what the technology allows for has changed a lot over the past two years. Um, and it's been so much fun to get to really like incorporate that into the product. Yeah, it's, it's like good timing for you huh? that everything exploded when it did because you get to utilize that for, for Vana. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's very cool. And I saw on your... Mm -hmm. on your And just as an individual to get to live through like a time where so much technology is 
emerging so quick. Like, it's just so fun, you Uh know? It is really incredible what comes out, like, week after week um, in in terms of just what's possible with AI. And then to be um, kind of – to be able to bring that to end users through Vana is, um, yeah, like an experience I'm very grateful for. That's cool. And I, and I saw on your website, you've, you've gotten 20, 20 million in funding and mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. Congratulations for that. What, what do you think mm-hmm. draws investors to what you're doing? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I think that, um, one is like we've assembled just such an incredible team. Um, and so I think that, um, yeah, to that, like I, I, I credit like the team largely. Um, <laughs> and then I think in terms of like problem space and opportunity, one is clearly like data is really valuable. Like I think people believe that. And then ideologically, like, okay, people should own their data. Like it's sort of like this message where it's like, yeah, like that kind of makes sense. It seems like that could be that way. And, and maybe these decentralized tools could help. Um, and so that's sort of, yeah, a little bit zoomed out. Uh, I, I think one, it's like a very ambitious vision to say like, hey, I think that everyone should like own their data and we should be able to create these other foundation models that are entirely owned by users and, and kind of have a better perspective on reality because of that data. So I, I think there's it's sort of ambitious what we're going after. And then I think that we've also been able to very like iteratively kind of prove out step by step, like, hey, how does this work? How does this work? And actually take um, somewhat of uh, a, a reasoned approach. I think every startup is a little chaotic, you know, um, but a, a reasonably um, structured approach towards um, de-risking many pieces. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And But I mean, honestly, who like I, I think that it, it's sort of one shouldn't use investor interest as like guidance for company to build or product to build. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is more of like this tool and input, right? Because you can convert um, shares of the company to, to capital that you can use to hire. Pe- you know, usually people don't want to work just, just for shares in the company. So you have to convert it to dollars so that you can kind of build out a team. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned that you have a, a, a great team what uh how how do you ensure a positive company culture and and what do you Mm -hmm. think makes people excited to join with join up with you yeah well i think that it has changed over time so like our really like kind of first team i mean it's kind of crazy to join like a three or four or five or even six person startup right like it takes a certain kind of person like a certain kind of like risk tolerance sure you gotta Um, roll the dice a little bit yeah yeah with like the right people i think honestly like for those like first few hires you will probably have to hire from your network right of someone either like a friend or a friend of a friend just because it's so risky that like I don't know. It seems kind of crazy to like join that early if you don't have at least some um, social signal, I guess. Um, and then I think that generally, like really smart mission driven people enjoy working on problems that are one, like technically challenging and two have potential for like a lot of large scale impact if they work. Right. And so I think, building a company around a 
deep mission that has a lot of interesting technical problems alongside it and technical not necessarily just in terms of engineering right like our head of legal who joined us from coinbase was really excited about um, all sorts of kind of questions both from a crypto perspective and from a, a data privacy and ai perspective so technical being kind of someone's area of expertise um yeah so i guess yeah go, going after an interesting problem that has um a lot a very like multifaceted multifaceted like approach or need for expertise um and i think that me and my co-founder also really balance each other out um we met back in boston when he was in grad school at harvard and i was doing my undergrad at mit um, and i think that he very much comes from kind of the legal policy background former lawyer um, and also an incredible kind of like user experience like hey what is the everyday person thinking about from this perspective um yeah whereas like i'm coming from uh an engineering background Mm -hmm. uh yeah that's a good combo the engineering Mm -hmm. and the user experience for sure for Mm -hmm. sure as you guys continue to grow what are the what are the skills that you guys are looking for in in new people what what really will you think will help drive you you guys forward yeah i think that the ability to Um, kind of like experiment and think with this like scientific mind where you're like, Hey, I want to test this hypothesis and I'm going to, I'm going to like go about kind of trying to prove or disprove it really. And just like kind of rigorously being willing to, to test things and kind of have an open mind. Um, I think that because the space of like generative AI is moving so quickly, it's not like, Hey, you need like four years of experience working with a foundation model. It's much more like, hey, we need people who can learn really quickly and like get good at interacting with ChatGPT, right? Or get good at um, figuring out like where people are learning how to do these things. And so I think that that kind of like figure it out skill set is really important. Um, And then I think that, yeah, let me just think about other traits um, that have been really valuable. I, I think something we really focus on is hiring like experts in their fields so of people who just have this like ambition to be like really, really good at, at what they do. Someone on our team um, who comes from an art background and is like a user researcher has like such a good understanding of like looking at an image and knowing like, hey, does this actually look like this person or not? And then also being able to craft these incredible prompts, right? And so she's really able to like tweak the prompts and then look at the image and and see things that I think like someone with an artist's eye can really see. Um, And so, yeah, that's just another example of a skill set that I'm really grateful to have on the team. So each each time someone gets a portrait, a a suite of of portraits done, that's all looked at and and dealt with 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 human interaction oh uh yeah so um what i was talking about there was actually um how we create the different styles oh gotcha um, okay. and we do have some human content moderation just to ensure um because some of the models are um trained on the public internet sometimes they can generate unexpected stuff so we just make sure to filter that out yeah that makes sense <laughs> as we talked about earlier mm-hmm uh, let, let's chat about the technology you're using. I, I, I fully admit it. I'm a mediocre at best tech guy. So if I look mm-hmm. confused, it's probably because I am. But for the viewers and listeners with bigger brains than me, describe the technology that goes into Vana. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
the way to think about it is like you have hmm so wait is this audience like machine learning engineers or normal or anyway yeah i, sure. I guess uh, it'll I'll, be a little bit of okay. everything yeah a little bit of everything. you can talk techie um, don't worry about don't worry about me okay i'll just nod a lot hmm yeah i i think the way you can think about it is basically you take a foundation model and then you personalize it in some way whether it's fine-tuning it through an approach like dream booth um, or other, there are actually like lots of new approaches towards like personalizing and kind of customizing these models to your personal data, which I think are very cool. Um, and then that model along with the data that you trained it on essentially comes with you throughout applications, right? So as a user, you can use that um, AI in portrait, you can use it in studio, which is like essentially a generative art studio where you can create any prompt and look at things. Uh, I think in the future too, um, we're actually opening up some of our APIs to external developers. So if you're a builder or even just like a really great prompt engineer, like you not necessarily an engineer, but just love interacting with prompts. We'd love to like hear what you want to build, hear from you generally. Uh, I think there are cool applications related to like art and fashion um, and kind of exploring one's identity uh, that you can create from these models. Yeah, art and fashion seems to be two areas that that would be very, very cool to work in with, mm -hmm. with, with the AI or with your, with your portrait. So you mentioned portrait and studio. I've, I've, I was in the portrait area, but I haven't mm -hmm. been to the studio portion yet because that's still, mm -hmm. that's not a, a totally publicly accessible yet, correct? Oh, yeah, I can send you the link though. Oh, yeah. Sweet. All right. Mm -hmm. I got yep. it in. <laughs> what what uh, what 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 should I expect to find there? You said I can I can sort of like use prompts to take my 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 images and and make them what I want them to look like. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Please yeah, do send me that. Link. Nothing to add. <laughs> Nothing yeah. to add. All right. I covered that well. I like it. <laughs> um, let's talk about. I'd like to. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on AI overall because of the fact that you're mm -hmm. you're involved in it. You seem also not even just the fact that it's a that it's your your career. It's, it seems like a real passion for you, something that you really truly enjoy. You know, mm -hmm. it's all over the news right now. Obviously, John. I just saw John Oliver riffed on it, and it, you know, it's everywhere we look. What do you see in the world of AI that has you excited but doesn't get talked about, like Chat GPT or Midjourney? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, um, love just using AI as like a tool to analyze and scale data. Like I used to train AI models on my sleep so that I could understand how to sleep better. Just like upset, like importing my data from all these places and like going into a Jupyter notebook and anal I, I don't actually think that I, I learned like a lot of it that I learned. I was like, okay, like, I think you kind of know that if you go to bed late, you know, like it was kind of just as a human, you kind of have like, not even AI, it's just normal intelligence in there. The data didn't wow you. It didn't, it didn't, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> not quite yet, but sometimes it does. Um, let's see. So what am I most excited about? Hmm. It doesn't have to do anything. Have to, it doesn't have to have anything to do with what you're doing. Just something that you know is, is Within AIs, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think that these models are just getting incredibly capable and it's just amazing what they're able to do. And I think that what's really beautiful is like the interaction between humans and AI and when you can find a loop that like works really well. So I think that um, 
oh, there was someone who was, they were basically using AI to create these like custom um, ski designs actually, right? And they're kind of like an artist by training and they make these custom skis and they decided to like work AI into their workflow really well. And I think when you're able to have that like, yeah, companionship, like kind of good handoff, that can be really powerful. Um, the other thing that I see, um, so one, this is sort of an analogy actually to uh, a friend who works in trading. Basically her job is like she has like five AI bots who trade on her behalf and her job is to manage them, right? Okay. So she like manages them and thinks like, hey, are there weird macro conditions that make it such that um, I should take this one offline or, or sort of tune this one a little bit differently. And I can see a world where like a lot of our jobs end up being basically managing these AIs mm -hmm. to do what we need them to do and think about, oh, could they be missing context in this way? Am I using them in the right way? And so I'm really excited about that. Um, the other thing is um, like education use cases. It's so fun to get to learn really quickly, um, especially like I could imagine an application where it sort of has all the context on everything you've ever read um, and everything you've ever learned. And so then when you go to learn about something new, it can say, hey, I know that you already know how to do this. So I'm going to use an analogy related to this. But I know that you don't know this yet. So I'm going to explain it in more depth. Um, and so I think that yeah, those education use cases are really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, medical, I've seen a lot oh, of medical oh, stuff yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, the medical stuff is interesting as well. I think too, like how can you, um, how might we be able to use AI to better understand some things that today we don't have that much, um, we, we might not have like randomized controlled trials on or other, like it, it sort of, how might we look at, uh, even like alternative treatments and medicines and try to get better signal on their effectiveness using AI. That's less generative AI and more just these big models. Um, yeah. Oh, and then all the privacy preserving stuff is really cool, but has a little ways to go, right? How do you um, train a model on data without it ever leaving a device? Mm -hmm. um, and some of that's being done already, but it, it has like a long ways to go. I mean, there's just so much. And then, hmm, I think too, like having models that like, yeah, just help a person scale themselves and really understand a person kind of like similar to how like your friend or your partner can kind of get you in this way. Like how can you make it so that your AI model has that same context as well? Yeah, that's that's cool. That's a fascinating, mm -hmm. fascinating area yeah. of it for oh, sure. Oh, and then applications in the physical world too. Like I was trying to find a place that could 3D print me sneakers that I had created using AI, but I basically like took the model of me and then I was like, okay, make it like Anna as a sneaker, right? And then I like created the shoe and then I was, <laughs> but yeah, so right now, actually, yeah, I, I think that's still a work in progress. I, I don't know how to... I don't know what that manufacturing process is, is going to look like. I mean, I don't even, I don't know if it's possible to scale um, in, in that particular case, but I think also like super personalized fashion, right? Like you can have, um, yeah, just so, so much opportunity opens up. Um, yeah. And then also as the models get much cheaper in terms of training and inference, that opens up so much opportunity as well. Um, yeah, it's a fun time. It really is. It really is. And yeah, it just, I, I could like talk about that question for like hours on end. So that's awesome. Can, that's yeah. what, that's, that's what we're here for. I mean, that's, it's, okay. it's just such a cool, 
yeah, there's just so much potential. We all see the potential, you know, that's why people are so, so, so psyched about it. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, being able to talk to someone like you, who's actually in it and knows so much about it is, is awesome. And, and in that same, uh, you know, going kind of the opposite way of that, you know, obviously with new technology comes new fears and there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are very nervous about the technology and, you know, sometimes rightfully so what, you know, you know, what are you, what do you feel that we have to be really careful about? What are some potential negatives that mm-hmm. we have to, you know, I probably, I know you're talking, talk a lot about data, so I'm sure data security is mm-hmm. big on your mind. You know, what, mm-hmm. what, what should we make sure that we're addressing as we, as we go move forward in this? Yeah. Um, well, I think that everyone or like a very obvious answer is related to just kind of like uh, AI safety, right? And just sort of like, if this AI were, were to get out of hand, how do we keep it in control? But a out lot of hand, of like Terminator about, out of hand, or yeah, I mean, I would say that, like, honestly, I would go, I open AI, open AI, I would consider to be like a really um, an, an expert on the subject, and so I just don't even. I'd say like, go read about um, that from <laughs> OpenAI. I think that. Um, one area that might not get discussed as much, I guess it has been discussed in AI, but I haven't heard it as much in generative AI, is like bias based on the data, right? And so um, today these models are trained on um, basically just scraping the public internet, right? And the public internet has all sorts of biases like built into it, right? Um, And so I gave the example of how a lot of the AI generated portraits will end up creating somewhat pornographic images of women or somewhat sexualized in this way of like, why is it like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that bias, like it's, it can be really subtle, but if AI is like perme- permeating, like all of your internet experiences, it can end up really shaping things and shaping the way that you think about things. And so I think we have to be really, really careful about kind of what bias these different applications might have and who might they might work better for versus not as well for one issue i was running into so i i'm half asian and the models don't understand half asian people very well and so Uh it was kind of trying to either make me like asian or like white and it doesn't understand and so um i think there are opportunities and this is some of what vaughn is working towards actually to kind of personalize the models for a specific community and really allow it to understand um, the way that a a certain group is and better represent them. But yeah, that's just a really, um, a small example, but you can see how it could play out, right? Because if everyone's using AI for every piece of their life, um, it can really affect things. Um, And then the other thing is um, how it can kind of, create fast changes within the labor market. Um, And so I think that whenever there's a new technology that comes out, right, like when we had a lot more technology and like farming and agriculture, people were like, oh, like what are the jobs that people are going to do, right? Right. And it was really scary. And I think that we're having a similar conversation today. And um, it's hard to know because you can't see the future, right? Like we couldn't see that most people are going to be doing digital work like post, you know, and that's like not even a concept we had when the tractor was being invented mm-hmm. in, in the sure. same way. If we try to look forward today of like, what are the new jobs that are going to be created? Hard to tell, but I think that there is um, a lot of opportunity, but that a transition is, is always hard. 
I was reading this morning that that we are actually behind a lot of other countries as far as automation goes. That that mm. we automate a lot less than a lot of other countries do. And and of course, anytime you hear about, you know, the the job thing is certainly something that a lot of people are talking about. You know, no one wants to see a whole bunch of people in the unemployment line. But at the same time, every it's it seems like in pa- in the past, whenever we introduce new technology, people adjust instead of mm-hmm. instead of just it doesn't just collapse. Everything doesn't just collapse. Mm-hmm. People just kind of figure it out. So probably, I mean, the most like or the, the, the smartest thing people can do is just at least stay up with it, stay up on it and, and yeah. understand it and, and learn it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's like, it's easy to say in the abstract sense, right? Of like, sure. oh, things will adjust. But at the same time, right? Like, there's someone who like, had planned their life around working, I don't know, in a factory at some point, and then that all changed, right? And right. that is like a really hard, like, transition to undergo. And so, um, yeah, but but I think that we can all use AI in some way to kind of like empower ourselves to do our existing work better. Yeah, I agree. I think I think so. And and you know, I I, th- I saw some. I was reading this morning about some uh, investing in in AI, and I saw some stuff about how some people are, some investors are nervous about investing because they're afraid it's gonna it's gonna have the same same you know decline as crypto did. And I know that crypto's not didn't go away, but it certainly is not is not seeing its best days right now. This feels a lot different, though. Like, if you're going to invest in AI versus investing in crypto companies, is that is that fair, or do you can you see a correlation there? Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, from a crypto, for, yeah, it's interesting. Like with AI today, I mean, there are a lot more users and very tangible use cases. So that's like one difference I would draw. That's very true. Um, but with any new technology, like it's so hard to know how things are going to play out, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I mean, who knows? Um, yeah, I think that both technologies offer like so much potential. What do you hope to see in the next three to five years in AI? How, what would be like something that you really hope comes to fruition? Hmm. Three to five years is a long way out. That is true. It honestly, true. let's have a, that's like, that, maybe that's, we should yeah, say one know, to two, like, right? <laughs> It happen- it's happening like, so fast. Wow, you know? Yeah. Hmm. I-, I think there's still a lot of fear that people have related to AI. And I think that having people kind of build more of an understanding of how AI works and how it kind of like learns from past experiences and from the data that you feed it, et cetera. Um, if only just to under- like have that understanding such that they can better tune it and use it in their daily life. Um, I think in terms of like applications, um, everything from like helping somebody better understand themselves to, and that maybe some mental health use cases that like, I, I just think people are going to be using AI all throughout their day. Right. Basically like throughout that will just be, like what an incredible companion and kind of helper to have. Um, yeah. Throughout like everything that you do. Um, yeah. That, that's not that tangible. Um, yeah. Oh, I think also I think you sense. can get things to be really like hyper personalized, like just have so much context, right? Like you get on the Peloton for a workout and it like knows exactly. They're like, Hey, actually I, it, it has context on even like, 
the fact that you like to work out with your little brother and then they make it so that your little brother is like your Peloton instructor, right? And then they know your heartbeat. They know, I guess it has that context already, but they know your heartbeat, like how you slept last night and like what did your heart rate variability look like, all this stuff. I, I love like collecting data on myself because I think it will eventually allow a lot of these AI tools to like better understand me. Um, and so you basically give it all that data and then it is just, yeah, making your life much, much better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hope it, I hope it improves quality of life very dramatically. Um, and I hope it also allows for like new forms of creative expression um, and for people to kind of like unlock this creativity within themselves. Cause I think a lot of creative mediums today require, um, I don't know, potentially more specialized skill sets. And I think that AI offers the potential for like this super accessible creative expression. Um, and I'm really excited to see what that looks like. What's next for Vana? Hmm. Okay. So, uh, one of cut, wait, when is this podcast going to run? Um, probably next couple weeks. Okay. Next couple weeks. Hmm. There's a release I'm very excited about that dramatically improves the efficiency and the performance of some of what we've been doing with image models, which is very cool. And I think, and it's interesting for end users and it's also very interesting for developers. Um, so that, yeah, that's a sort of like in, in that time horizon. Okay. Um, and then I think that as different kind of mediums of models come out, right? Like how can we better understand not just how someone speaks, but also um, their personality more deeply, right? Like what would it look like? Um, have you been to like one of the modern doctor's offices, like a one medical or something? Mm -mm. So like, what would it look like to go in? Okay. It's, I don't, it's basically like a polished doctor's office. Okay. What would it look like to go in and have your like whole body scan, like an interview with a linguist, an interview with a psychologist, like a very deep understanding of you and then give that context to an AI so that it can best understand you, best teach you, best interact with you, best give you feedback. Um, and so moving towards that world, um, step by step. Wow. That, yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> That'd be very mm -hmm. cool. I like it. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, what, what, do, what do people have to do to get started with Vana? Oh, um, well, in terms of using our product. Yeah. Okay, so if you're a developer, then you, I believe, what is our developer site? Um, well, if you're a developer, you can go check out our API documentation at api.vana.com, or you can email, just email me personally, anna at vana.com, with what you want to build, and I will help you get started. Um, and if you're a user, then you can head to vana.com where you'll be linked likely to portrait and then to studio and kind of explore what you can do with your digital self. Awesome. And that's Vana V A N A, which comes from. Oh, Vana. It comes from uh, kind of Nirvana, like liberation um, in reference to liberating people's data. Love it. Great name. Mm -hmm. Well, Anna, it was really nice to meet you and I really appreciate you being here and talking through everything with us. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have you on again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you to all our viewers and listeners out there. Until next time, stay curious, stay creative.